So a year ago, our church, it was give or take a year ago, uh, our church had this small group of folks. I didn't start it. Uh, some awesome folks were in the room. A small group of folks began to talk about evangelism. Begin to talk about what does it mean to, uh, to do evangelism? What does it mean for the church to do evangelism? The world continues to change. I make the argument on a regular basis, the world has massively changed. What does it mean to do evangelism, to share your faith? And so, so let, let me say this. If you're a member of the church, pay attention. But if you're a visitor with us, I still think this is also a topic. Every person who is a Christian or seeking to be a Christian or has questions about what it means to be a Christian, I think these, I think these few moments together, I, I think— I think what does evangelism mean is a question that people are asking. And so, so a year ago, and we met five or six times, and we actually read five or six books. And uh, we would each take a book and come back and do a book report. And, uh, and, 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 and what I offer this day and in the next few weeks uh, was, was, was started by this movement of folks asking the question, what does evangelism look like for the church? But before we get started, let's, um, let's open with a prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. So uh, it was, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago that, um, that this little device came into our home. And, uh, and I know what you're thinking. It's a radio, which it is. So good job. It's a radio. But this is, uh, this is a radio for, did you buy this? Did I buy it? Okay, okay, it was a gift. It was a gift. Okay, it was a gift from, uh, it was a gift from, from Linda, Julie's mom. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a radio, but, and I'm not going to talk about it for just like a half a minute. Hang with me. All right, it's a radio, but it's a special radio for sports fans, right? Which my wife is a sports fan. She, um, she pulls for a number of teams I like and then one that I don't. <coughs> this, is a, this, is, this is actually a radio not just for sports fans, but for big-time Homer sports fans that like to listen to their guy doing the radio broadcast instead of those terrible television announcers who can't pronounce names like Mohammed Sanu and stuff like that, right? Um, so what, what you do is you, you actually turn on the radio, so there's not a game playing right now, but before, by the time I'm done with the sermon, the game will be on. Um, <coughs> so uh, you, you turn on the radio, and, um, and this is like a classic rock station, and uh, what it does, what it does is it has these two little buttons up here. It has this ability to take the signal and delay it so that the radio signal, which is coming in milliseconds after the actual event happens, can be, listen, can actually be lined up with the TV signal, which is always delayed by a number of seconds. Now, I, I look into your faces, and almost like 9 out of 10 of you are going, I don't care at all what you're talking about. <laughs> And that's a good answer because most of you have better priorities than the Hagen families when it comes to the way we watch sports. But listen to me. Listen to me. This radio is like the way the Bible describes evangelism. And I, I know, I know, right? What? 
this radio is like the way the Bible describes evangelism. This radio. Because what this radio does is it delays the announcement until the, the action or the events in front of you, until the images in front of your eyes can be lined up with the words. This radio delays the announcement to match the images in front of you. This radio delays the announcement to match the images in front of you, which is exactly how the Bible describes evangelism. See, evangelism in the Bible is, uh, is bigger than a lot of the ways that the modern church has tried to do it. The, the modern church has done it this way. Um, and when I say church, I'm being a little, uh, being a little, I'm probably being too tough on any of us. Uh, but there are folks that are Christians today that believe evangelism is grabbing the megaphone, right? Grabbing the bullhorn, going down to the street corner and turning it on. And yelling at people, <clears throat> saying things like, if you tonight burn, you with me? I mean, that, that, that's, but you and I are going, that's not evangelism. Because it, it doesn't seem to be effective. Or, or evangelism is reduced to teams of people going out and knocking on doors. Or going out under bridges. And, and, and somehow in that single moment trying to do what the Bible says is actually a larger three-part process. In the Bible, evangelism is first the event itself, and then the announcement, and lastly, the call for a life to be changed. In the, in the Bible, evangelism is the event itself, and then the announcement, and then finally a call for people to respond and change their lives appropriately. Event, announcement of the story, and then a call to change their lives. And the truth is, this happens in the Bible a hundred times. A hundred times. A hundred times. This happens. Event, then the story, and then the call to life change. I'd like to, just for a minute, I'd like to give an example from the scriptures from that uh, to, to, to sort of bear that out. Um, in fact, Chase, let's turn ahead to, um, to Acts chapter 2. So um, uh, we're going to do Acts chapter 2, verse 22 first. The backstory is that Jesus, who was crucified on a Friday and rose from the dead on a Sunday, spent the next 40 days with his closest, closest friends. At some point, uh, th th it says, I think there's 120 that have gathered. 40 days, and he's teaching them, and he's telling them, and he's preparing them, and they still don't get it, but that's okay because they're a lot like us, right? 
40 days preparing them for the period in which he won't be with them. And at the end of 40 days, Acts chapter 1 says that he ascends into heaven and they are left there and they're told to wait in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit will come down. And that happens on the 50th day of, of, of the New Testament's understanding after Easter, on the 50th day. And, and, the, and, and Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit comes down and there's these things that are like fire and, and, and tongues and, and, and the apostles are now talking in a bunch of different languages and people understand it and Peter sort of rises above them and speaks. And he begins to tell them about all the things that have happened. And in, in verse 22, he, he says this, Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene was a man whose credentials God proved to you through miracles, wonders, and signs, which God performed through him among you. You yourselves know this. In accordance with God's established plan and foreknowledge, he was betrayed. So now listen, listen. This is Peter talking about something that's already happened. Put another way, the event happened, and this is the announcement delayed by 50 days. He was betrayed. You, with the help of wicked men, had Jesus killed by nailing him to a cross. God raised him up. God freed him from death's dreadful grip since it was impossible for death to hang on to him. This is uh, just a small portion of an announcement about something that had happened before. We with that? Easter happened, and 50 days later, Peter is compelled to announce to the thousands of people in Jerusalem who are gathered for like the next festival, for the next big event, and everybody's in town. And, he, and he's announcing, let me tell you what happened in the past. Or put another way, this event has happened, but I've pressed the delay button so that you're in the exact right place on the screen for the words to match up. The event happens, and then the announcement happens. But it, but it, wouldn't, be, it, it wouldn't be right to stop with announcement there's the third part, and that is the invitation to have our lives changed. This is how, this is, the, this is the last sentence of his speech. If you skip over to verse 36 of chapter 2, the last, the last line of his speech in front of the thousands of crowds, he says, Therefore, let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and and Christ. And it says, when the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled. They said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And then I, it's just perfect. Peter replies, change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And about a month from now, we're doing a baptism Sunday here at the church where we'll invite people to come forward who've never been baptized before to respond to what God has done in their life. 
We'll invite the rest of us who have been baptized before to come by the waters and remember what God has done in our life. We believe this is the word of God for we the people of God and we say together, thanks be to God. The event happens. The announcement, the story is told. And then a change is needed a hundred times, a thousand times. It's over and over this repetition in the Bible that evangelism is more than just you, you, you better get right. See, the event happens first and then the announcement and then the invitation to change. Every time. And the thing is, they lived it. It was real to them. And now they're telling the story. The invitation to change, the fancy term would be, uh, would be lived appropriation. Which is, how do you live into, how, how, do you, how, how, how do you appropriately respond to what's happened? And, and for just a second, let me, let me see if I can't um, help a few of you in the room with an illustration. The baby is born. And you come home from the hospital. And that first night happens. You know what that's called? That's called lived appropriation. That's the fancy term for, oh my God, is it going to be like this forever? Or, or, or the first trip out to a restaurant with the baby, right? Oh my goodness, we're eating home from now on forever, right? This is lived appropriation. See, the event happens. You don't have to have the announcement in the middle when it comes to the baby because the event happens and then your life has to change. I mean, we're walking around with examples of it. The event happens, and then your life has to change. The event happens, and your life has to change. But the truth is, in the church, too often, the event has happened, and our lives have changed, but we don't tell anybody about it in the middle, do we? I mean, it's, 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 not a, it's not enough for a Christian to walk around with a changed life from the event that happened, which, which in my life is Jesus. It's not enough to, to walk around going, I'm different, but not tell anybody about it. And it's also not enough for the only time you talk about it to be the second it happened. See, evangelism in the Bible is this delay so that the words I'm saying, so that the words that the world is hearing match up with what's going on on the screen of their lives. And this, this desperately needs to happen in the world because too often the world has bought in to the false stories. 
too often the world has seen the, listen, too often the world has seen the screen of their lives and they've tried to match it up with the words that don't fit. Let me see if I can try this on. The person who believes their story is, I'm alone. Or the person who's bought into the idea that no one cares. Or the, or the, or the person who, who literally, you've heard them before, literally goes around and says, that's my luck. Or, or I'm just cursed. Nothing good happens to me. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the worst of all would be the person who's bought into the false story that says I'm not worth it then there's an entirely different direction that folks go the folks that say it's all about me it's all about me because they, they've, they've, seen, they've seen the screen in front of them and the way they interpret that the, the audio that matches up in their universe is that whoo it's all about me. Or I'm good enough on my own. Or a dozen other stories that aren't true. I wrote on the, uh, the bulletin article this week, first, that Christians are to pray. And, and second, that we're to focus on the truth and then third, that Christians are to pray. <laughs> but but the truth is truth is 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 more than just can, can I get an amen that we need to the truth is more than just politics. Truth is more than just what's coming in on the 24-hour news channel. Truth is also what we need to be pouring into our lives. It's not okay to see my story and then have it matched up to audio that's not true, that says I'm not worth it, that I'm all alone, that no one can help me, that there's never going to be a better day. This isn't the truth. I love, I love, um, Chase, have you got that quote on a screen? It's got a couple of big words. Hang with me. I, I love this. I'm going to read it, and you can read it as well. This is Walter Brueggemann. He's a retired professor at Seminary Columbia up in, uh, up in Atlanta. He said, It is my argument that evangelism means inviting people into these stories. What stories? He's talking about Easter. He's talking about the Exodus. He's talking about a blind man who now can see. He's talking about lepers who were just cast away, who now are invited back in. He's talking about a woman at a well who's been told because of past events in her life that she's not allowed to hang with others. About that woman becoming the first evangelist and faith share that the New Testament had. 
He's talking about these stories. Inviting people into these stories as the definitional story of our life. And thereby authorizing people to give up, abandon, and renounce other stories that have shaped their lives in false and distorting ways. That's it. What does it mean to share the good news in 2017? It means to own the fact that something has happened in your life. And then to go and match up the good news with the events that are playing out in the lives of others. And then, and then to invite them to change the story. When, when the bad thing happens, to tell them, you're not alone. You're not cursed. There is good that can still happen. And I know that. Because, because that's my story too. You know, evangelism is simply claiming that there's more going on than just the the false narrative that we've bought into. This is my story. Jesus saved me. Jesus changed my life. God has the power over death. God's won me over. Now here's the thing. I think to be a Christian, to be a Christian is to live into this larger understanding of what it means to be a witness to what's happened. So I'd like to close, I'd like to close in prayer, but it not be my prayer, it be your prayers. I'd like to, Jacob, maybe you can um, strum that guitar before we sing the last song. I'd like to give every person in the room a chance to, to pray this big old grown-up prayer. You can do it where you're seated. You can come down front at the altar rails we have here to, to pray that God would open my eyes again to the events that have happened in my life. That I would, that I would, that I would be that I would have the courage to speak the truth of what has happened. And that I would invite others and to live into this change that has to happen. Easter happened. The exodus happened. Miracles still happen. I invite you to pray with me.
that God would open our hearts to what he is still doing in my life and in your lives. Let's pray. Forgive us for the times that we have forgotten. Forgive us for the times that we have denied. Lead us back to your truth that you are the God who still speaks, who still works, who's still active. The events are still occurring in my life. Help me to line up the words that you are calling me to speak and to share and to offer with the events and the lives of those around me that we might both be changed. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.